0: Exodus chapter three. Just because I can't get done with it, but this is it. I, this is it. Moses meets the burning bush. Um, as as you are aware of this story, I'm sure, um, he sees this bush. It's it's on fire, but it doesn't burn up. And of course, Moses says, "This is strange." Man, it's strange. It's burning, but it's not burning up. I I should go see it. Yesterday, Charlie and I made fire in the backyard, and uh, I noticed that, you know, at a young age, she just, she didn't mind just, I got her a blanket, and we sat out there, and I'm I'm always trying to get her, you know, outside, just, let's just get outside, whatever it is, and so we practiced snowboarding in the morning, and then we, uh, and we made fire, you know, because otherwise, you just default to does anybody just default in the winter to just? <sighs> and uh, she she doesn't even have to lift her hand to do the remote. You know, she just calls me, Dad, Dad. So no more of that. So anyway, we made a fire, but she's just mesmerized by the fire, like we do as adults, just staring at it. Moses is staring at this fire, and it doesn't, doesn't burn up. And... Um, The first thing that I thought of is, you know, we need to pay attention to the strange things in our life. You ever have something happen in your life that you can't explain? Like that was different. Have you ever had something happen in your life that a lot of people would call a coincidence, but you just can't? That's too unexplainable. And I think what happens in life is that events happen in our life where God's trying to get our attention. Has God ever tried to get your attention? Let me just give you a little advice on that front. Hey, don't make him scream. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like if he needs to get your attention, he's going to get your attention. So go with the subtle whisper. It's a lot better that way. But God gets your attention. He does something. Like this is supposed to happen. Like things are supposed to go a certain way, and then they don't go that way. That's that's God saying, Come here. I want to say something to you. God wants to say something to Moses. And all the time in our life we realize that, you know, God, God has different ways of getting our attention. But the best thing is, you know, if you, you and I can just be aware that the things that are happening around you, the ones especially that you can't explain are often designed for God to get your attention because he wants to announce something to you. And so God announces to Moses. He says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Good place to start with God. Here I am. Not enough people saying that today, but good place to start. I'm here. Um, Yes, sir. You know, how how can I help? Present and accounted for. I'm available. I'm listening. Moses says, "I'm here," and then we learned he turned it. God said, "Don't come any closer. It's holy ground." Take off your sandals. And then God says this to Moses. I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of a land, a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are handling them. So God is saying, I've seen their suffering. I've heard their cry. It's reached my ears. I'm going to do something about it. And I think Moses is just thinking, knock yourself out. I think you should. (laughs) I mean, not until verse 10 does God get to the punchline. It's just warming Moses up. You know how to ask for things, don't you? Remember being a kid? You got to set the stage, you know? And God is setting the stage with Moses. And all of a sudden, he turns it at the very end and says, So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses says to God, Who am I? Let's say it together. One, two, three. Ready? Who am I? Good question good question. Today, we're going to ask two questions. These are the two most important questions you will ever ask in your life. I'm pretty sure I can say that with a lot of certainty. You're going to ask a lot of questions in life. You're going to ask all kinds of questions. You're going to ask questions like, where should I go to school? Who should I marry? Who should I not marry? What job should I take? What state should I live in? Question after question after... You're going to ask a lot of questions in life, but there's two. I, I've tried and tried to think, are there, are there any more important questions? And I just don't think that there are. And the first question is just simply this. Who am I? Who are you? Who did God make you to be? It may have been that Moses was asking this question for 40 years walking around in the wilderness. Probably the first 40 years when he was being uh, trained and educated in Egypt, he probably th- thought he knew exactly who he was. You know, I'm this young Egyptian prince. I'm destined to be the next pharaoh. Uh, you know, all of these things. Has this ever happened to you where you felt like you knew who you were until something else changed? And for 40 years, he's walking in the wilderness. I think he was pondering that question. Who am I out here in the wilderness? Maybe by the end of the 40 years, which we learned was a, was a common theme in the Scripture for a time of testing and transition and preparation, maybe those 40 years it took to flush out all the Egypt of Moses. Huh? Anybody ever do a cleanse before? That's a good time. You know what I mean? Carrots again? More carrot juice? No, we're going to add lemon today. Oh, that's going to be... Anybody? That's tough. That's tough on your system. i would never done. I've just seen the misery of other people. I would never try such things. But I've, I've heard about it, and it just seems miserable to me. But they say it does wonders. I don't know. You've got to flush it all out, I guess. Don't email me about it. Please don't give me... I, I know I can see... I just wrote a book on it. Okay. All right. You flush it out. Mentally, you got to flush the old system out. 40 years of training as an Egyptian. How many know? you the scripture says, be transformed by renewing of your mind. How do you change, actually? You got to flush the old system. You, You think in certain ways, and the way you think, you think is normal. Let me say it another way. You think everyone else is crazy. <laughs> don't you? What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with these people? And, and we are all, we're all, all of us, myself, we're all subject to the patterned way that we think. We think in patterns. They're like little grooves. My grandma and grandpa's driveway. I mean, you know, for years it was just, it was really long and it was just what? Two grooves for Grandpa his pickup, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And over time, they get more and more, what, depressed, nice little patch of grass grows in the middle, and this goes back and forth and back and forth. After a while, you don't have to steer up the driveway. It steers for you. It's true. Why? Because you've worn a groove. That's, th- this is really important. That's how you and I think. Because you're trying to give your brain a break. Like, how many of you got in the car this morning and thought, do I turn the key this way or this way? You don't think about the first eight things you do when you get in a car. A lot of us don't even think about putting our seatbelt on anymore. We don't, all these things are just because you're giving your brain a rest, so it just thinks in patterns. So you assume the way, the patterned way that you think is the right, best, most helpful way to think until something has to interrupt it. It's usually kind of ugly. It's usually something large. And so Moses has to flush out all the old ways of thinking and he has to adopt something new, his burning bush moment. Who am I? It's a great question. Who did God make you to be? A long, long time ago, I wrote a little, like a booklet for our church, you know, and I I titled it Soul Strength And the very first, I think, I'm pretty sure, I don't remember, but the very first line is, um, you're not a body. That's kind of worth knowing because 90% of the messages that you get in life define you as a body. You're a body. You know, you need to eat, you need to put clothes on, you need to do this, but they don't address the real you. The real you is kind of wrapped in this body. The real you is way, way, way deeper than just a body. You're a soul who has a body. Who are you? And along with this, who are you is who are you called to be? What has God called you to do? A calling is a really important idea. Let's talk about it for a minute. A calling. Um, it's often used, it seems like in our culture, it's often used of people that are clergy, you know, well, he got the call, you know, as if God rings you up on the phone. He got the call. He was in eighth grade and he got the call. Family's kind of half mourning it, to be honest with you. He got the call. He's off to seminary. He got the call. In our culture, that's how it's used, but that's not really how it should be used. It's, it's a universal idea. Everybody has a calling. And this is so important, especially in our culture, because a lot of people don't live with a sense of purpose in their life. They wander. They wander and they wonder. And you wonder, why are we having so much mental illness in our culture? Because people don't have a sense of calling, all right now you you, you might you know want to email me on this one and say I'm crazy that's okay but just listen before you do there, we aren't giving people a sense of calling a sense of purpose for their life you what Moses gets here is a calling a sense that you, this is what I want you to do with your life it's always connected to god It's always connected to a sense of purpose. It's always connected to a vision. You need, this is really important, a vision for your life. And you say, well, Chris, I've never seen a burning bush. Fair enough. But I do believe, I believe strongly that God still speaks to us today. You just have to pay attention. What are the things in your life that this, I can't explain this. How did this happen? How did I end up here? Why did this not work out? Or why did this work out? Or why did this fall in my lap? Why did this blow up? And a calling does something. It it trumps everything else in your life. There's a lot of people that, you know, they worry about having a great resume today. You know, like these are the questions that we're asking. You know, how do I go to a good school? How do I get a good resume? And I know a lot of you would argue with me in the atrium about it, but I probably wouldn't take you up on it because you can believe whatever you want to believe. But a person with a calling will destroy a person with a resume any day. Why? Because they got a passion. They just move. They march. The resume, they just, what do you want? What do you want, a re- what do you want a resume for? So you have multiple options. Because I can go here, I can, I can impress a lot of people with it. I, no, look, I know, okay, I know in our culture this is not the thing I'm supposed to say, but, you know, we have a lot of misery in our culture. We're doing a lot of crazy things. For society that is unbelievably as blessed as we are, as Clint prayed for us so beautifully, uh, Pastor Bright's going to come and pray at the end of the service. Pastor Bright was born and bred in Malawi. And uh, he might uh, counter this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure in saying there isn't a lot of suicide in Malawi, there is an, ama- there is an amazing amount of suffering and hardly any suicide. You ought to just think about that all day. What our culture has told people is you deserve to be happy. This is what you grew up believing. You deserve to be happy. Says who? <laughs> well, Chris, you're a real downer this morning. <laughs> you're like, gee whiz, you know. But says who? Well, you just deserve. I'm pretty sure my grandpa didn't grow up like that. You deserve to be happy. You've been told two lies. First of all, you can be. Second of all, you deserve to be. Chris, you are just flat out depressing us today. No, I, I said this for years. Happiness just bites you in the rear end when you're doing something good with your life. The worst... The worst thing you can do is chase happiness. That's the worst thing you can do with your life. Pursue it. because It's a journey you'll start on. It's a hamster wheel you'll jump on, and you will never, ever, ever get off because you're almost there. You're almost happy. Other generations like my grandpa, they, they didn't see life in terms of I, I deserve to be. They, they saw life in terms of responsibility. I deserve to have responsibility. That's why they they all lied about their age and went to the war when they were 17. That's my responsibility. What if you saw your life, not in terms of the richness of your happiness, but in in terms of the depth of your responsibility? What's Moses' calling it's not too riches. It's actually he's he's getting taken away from all of that. It's too responsibility. Responsibility does something really good for us that nothing else can do. By the way, what was Moses going to put on his resume anyway? He's going to get. He's worried about it. Well, what? Who? How do I say? Who do I say sent me? He's got to go to Pharaoh, have a meeting. Pharaoh says, "What about this gap?" On your resume, 40 years. (laughs) The heck? uh, Don't they always say, don't have a gap? (laughs) Mm -hmm. The heck were you doing for 40 years? (laughs) He says, uh, growing up, sir, just trying to mature. We learned about that last week, yeah? No one's impressed with that, are they? I mean, what if you honestly had a meeting and said, I was was out of pocket for like 12 years because my life was screwed up and I was trying to get fixed up. No one would ever admit that in an interview. But you know what? If you were a boss and you knew anything, you'd hire that person on the spot because they were truthful, one. And they're probably nearing maturity. Moses gets a responsibility that's bigger than him, way bigger. And you know what you need? You and I, we need something that, is a little bit bigger than us. This is the only way that you grow. This is the only way that you stay engaged. Anybody get bored? In fact, is anybody bored right now? <laughs> you can go get a coffee or there she goes. All right, God bless you. All right. Give <laughs> me one. Give me one. <laughs> I'm getting bored myself. You, <laughs> you, you know, yesterday Charlie was like, you know, it's just, so she's four. So you're always challenging yourself. You're, you're always bored, right? You're like, damn, I'm bored. So... Vicky says to me today, why are the screens in the like, laundry room? And I'm like, well, it's a long story. <laughs> but Charlie's getting on the window ledges and wants to like hug the windowsills to the wall and go the length of my office. And to do so, she has to lay on the screens. And I go, please don't touch the screens. You're going to ruin them. I'm such a nice dad. <laughs> she said to me the other day, Dad, I love you, but I don't like it when you're mean to me. (laughs) So I didn't have to be mean. I just took the screens out. I'm like, fine. Just she's laying against. You know, but but she she was just on the edge of falling, and a couple times she did fall. But she could sense that she could do it. This is where we have to live our life, right there. I mean, she can barely. And she was, Dad, I have to do this twist. Right. But this is important because why? why? Because you need a challenge in life. You need God's call, the call. It, it's better than anything. A sense of purpose for your life. We've told this generation the wrong thing. Just go get a great resume. Go find a burning bush. That's what we need to tell them say, well, they don't even believe in God. Too bad. They'll figure it out. Moses doesn't say Moses believed in God. I think Moses thought the bush was talking to him at first. He doesn't know. This is weird. The bush said my name. Takes a while to figure it out. How many are worried about your kids that don't believe in God? They'll figure it out. I know you're praying they figure it out sooner rather than later. That's fine. They'll figure it out. God says to Moses, uh, you're going to be the guy. Who am I? i a calling. You know, I feel blessed. I don't know if I was different or, but I, I felt this calling in my life. I was young, young. I went to see a therapist one time and he said to me, he's like, you know, that's not normal, right? Like I was talking about my childhood and like no one pushed me to church. No one, my grandma encouraged me. That's for sure. But, you know, like I've, I've told you many times I'd be in high school, like reading theology books. And kid, <laughs> he goes, you know, that's not normal, right? And I go, well, yeah, probably not. And he said, that's okay because you, you knew your calling. Your calling it just grabs you. It needs to be bigger than you, so it stretches you, so it challenges you, right? Just retiring and sipping margaritas is not a calling. It's not. You know, I mean, mean, it's okay if you want to retire. I'm not. I'm not down on retiring, and even margaritas in moderation. But that's not a calling. It's not something you should aspire to. It's not. Calling is is what pulls you through and past anything. I just have to keep going. And then this story goes on, and he says this "Um, Suppose I go. Suppose I go. I go to the Israelites, and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, Who sent you? What's his name? What should I tell them? Second most important question you'll ever ask in your life. Who is God? Who is God? Some of you, you've said, oh, there's no God. We'll get to you another week. Who is God? Many people here have already said they already know the answer to that. question. I already got that figured out. Thank you very much. God's reply to Moses is somewhat of a, is somewhat of, a, I would call it a non-answer. Verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. You know how, you know how like all these like athletes and like rock stars are always changing their name because one's not, I want to say outrageous, but, but large enough. So it's always, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the artist formerly known as, or the artist, or, and it's always like I got to change it. I don't have enough good examples. I'm not culturally relevant. You can email me the answers, but you know what I mean? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Change. Meta world peace. Remember the guy that had the duke out in the palace with, you know, don't you guys watch basketball? <laughs> After he had the biggest brawl in NBA history, fighting Hitting fans in the teeth, he named himself Meta World Peace. Who can outdo that? So think, what's a name? Who do, who do I say sent you? I am that I am. That's a tough one. I mean, they don't, they don't get more broad, more undefining than that. One translation, a lot of them will will say, the translators are trying to actually figure it out. They'll say, I will be who I will be. Kind of a non-answer. Jewish folks, as you probably know, especially devout, serious-minded, from the earliest days, do not pronounce God's name. We in English would, would say something to the effect of Yahweh. And back from earliest days, uh, Jewish uh, writings, they would not write the vowels, just the consonants. And you were trained in your mind to fill in the blanks. You knew what consonants to stick in there. So what they would do is just put Y. H-W-H. And you knew how to fill it in. But here's the, the good part. A Jewish rabbi was teaching on this one time, and he says, you know, you Christians, you got the third commandment all wrong. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And most people grew up with a with grandma that taught them, you don't say God's name. last name is not damn. <laughs> don't say that. Stop cursing in my house. Stop taking the Lord's name in vain. He goes, you Christians got it all wrong. That's not what it was meant. Don't use it vainly. And so what they interpreted it as is, if you speak it, so don't ever speak it. Something happens when there's a word that's too sacred. You don't ever say it. becomes incredibly sacred. And then he took it a step further and said this. The correct way you would pronounce that, you would never use your tongue and you would never close your lips. Y H W D. Who should I say <laughs> sent me? Y-H-W-H. How would I pronounce that? He said, you pronounce it like this. From the moment you were born. You've been crying out to God to the moment you give your last breath. Some people worry, like, well, I don't know if my son prays. He prays, (laughs) he just hasn't connected all the dots yet. I don't know if someone will be by my bedside to say a prayer with me at the end. You'll be praying. tells us in that little four letters that God's name is unbelievably personal and incredibly universal at the same time. Let's do it like the Jewish people do it. Ready? Let's do it like the Christian people do it. Let's do it how the men do it. Let's do it how white people do it. I mean, I think that's how black people do it too. See what how gay people do it. The minute you put a definer on God, you begin idolatry. I'll say it again. The minute you put a definer on God, You begin idolatry, any boundary, any curving. So like, you know, when you go to Bible school, you have all these classes. They define God. You go to like three or four classes. They should call them idolatry one, idolatry two, and idolatry three. I mean, because we're doing the best that we can. We're trying to get something to grasp onto. Fair enough, right? You got to start somewhere. You start with metaphors and images and all that. But who should I say sent me? I am. That I am. People say they don't believe in God. He's saying, maybe another way it was saying is like, I, I'm the uncaused cause. You ever been in an argument, not an argument or a discussion with somebody, and they're really impressed? What they would, they say, well, you know, if God made it all, who made God? You know what I mean? Like really impressed with that question. And you're like, nobody, dummy. That's why he's God. The uncaused cause. You don't have to say dummy. I was just. That's not interesting. That's not interesting. Either you think this is all. I mean, just stop for me. Just stop. I mean, scientists are like reverse engineering everything and they're like, it all kind of collapses. It's it's mind-blowing. But no matter what you believe, no matter how how deep you dig into science, no matter what you do, there's something that has to cause. And whatever you believe about the details of creation, how God went about doing that, fine and fair enough, but something caused. God was like, The uncaused cause has sent you to Pharaoh. I think a favor would be meditate on that question. Who am I? Who's God? Life changer. But I guarantee you no matter how Broad your view of God is, He's still broader. Try to conceive of the universe. Anybody ever think about that? And however big you think it is, it's still bigger. The other thing, to just blow our minds a little bit more, is the linguists and the scholars tell us that this is a verb. Go figure God's a verb. Did you guys ever see the Grinch cartoon? Prepare to have your little puppy mind blown. (laughs) Have you seen that scene? That is genius. God's saying to Moses, like, "Ah, have your little puppy mind blown. I am that I am. These are great questions revolution they will revolutionize your life